Yo, welcome to another episode of Simply Bitcoin Live. Um, I'm really excited for this. Every time Tone and I have a conversation, it leads down a really, really great rabbit hole. So I'm really excited for this. I have the one, the only, the legendary Tone Vase. How you doing, bro? Hey, Carl. Doing well. It's Dubai. It's about one in the morning. And uh, man, I haven't gotten much sleep in a few days, uh, but uh, right after this, it'll be time to rest a bit. Dubai is crazy, man. We'll party here through the night. I bet, man. Um, I haven't. When was the last time I went to Dubai? Um, dude, I haven't been since like teenage years. I, I haven't been in such a long time, but I, I do I remember. Changed. Really, what's changed about it? Oh, no, I'm sure like, since those years, man, like Dubai is becoming a lot more open, a lot more uh, Western friendly, let's put it that way. So do they, do they still allow, do they allow alcohols in the, uh, do they, do they allow alcohols in, in the hotel? Or, like, do they allow alcohol in, in, oh, yeah. in hotels and stuff? Yeah, there's, there's alcohol pretty much everywhere at this point. Yeah. I mean, like, like technically you're supposed to have a hotel to have a liquor license. Uh, but everything has a hotel. Like everything that goes on is in a hotel. Yeah, it it looks like you're. A lot, we're getting some comments in the stream. Says uh, tone your video and sound is a little choppy. Oh, from Maya. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Um, so I can try to switch my internet to my um, SIM card. Instead of the hotel Wi-Fi. I wonder if that would work. I can see better. We could try that. I wonder how my audience is. Yeah, they, we're getting the comments from your audience. <laughs> oh, it's on my end. Your stream is fine, right? Yeah, yeah. These these are these are your this is your audience. This is uh, all right. So your... go 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 to the original source. Uh, so if you're on my channel, go. Watch it on SimpliCoin. It's 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 all from restream, so it should be the same quality. Really? Uh, mm-hmm. Winicus is this live? Yes, Winicus, it's live. Oh. All right. Let me let me see if it's better. If I, I'm gonna I'm gonna see what the strength is on my SIM card, and if that's better, then I'll just switch it. Why my sound will be great. Yeah, it's always the, the upload speed is that get you. Yeah, let me just see the upload. Nope. My cell phone's good. All right, let me switch. I'm going All to right. switch. See you in a second. Bear with us, everybody. Um, crazy, cra another crazy day in uh, in Bitcoin. See if Tone can make could come back. Oh, here he is again. Let's see. Moment of truth. Hey, Tone. Hey. Oh, there we go. It's fixed. Hell yeah. Okay. Oh. Awesome. Cool. All right. So that's fixed. Uh, I, I need to have a chat with Marriott. <laughs> All right, Tone. Um, now that we did live technical support on live stream, um, Tone, I'm going to start it off with this. What happened 2021, 2022, I feel like a lot of people got blue-walled, including myself. I think a lot of people had expectations for 100K Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, that's uh, certainly a one way to start an interview with someone at one in the morning <laughs> after drinking. Um, yeah, look, from a technical perspective, uh, it is super rare that the price of an asset goes and breaks the all-time high six months later or beyond that uh, and doesn't continue rising. It's a very rare event. Uh, I will place a bullish bet on that situation each and every time. Uh, when Bitcoin did break uh, that $65,000 area, I, I mean, maybe we wouldn't have gotten to 100, but I expected 80, at least 80. And we just topped out at 68. Um, I felt that it was pretty unexpected. Uh, and 
uh, yeah, in hindsight, we can come back and we can come up with all these reasons as to why it happened. Uh, but uh, yeah, a lot of us got caught by surprise and we're still dealing with the consequences of this bear market. I, and I, I've already said it months ago, I think this bear market has been the worst bear market that I've experienced. And this is my third. What makes it worse than the first one? I feel like we had more volatility. I think we've only been we're only down 70 percent. So from your perspective, what makes it the worst? Is it because Bitcoin didn't hit certain price targets? And I'm going to add to that a little bit. Do you believe in the diminishing returns theory, right? Where just Bitcoin is just going to continue. It's still going to have, you know, that upwards volatility, but it's going to be greatly diminished. Do you believe in that? I, I, I do, but uh, there'll be one more cycle of high volatility. And after that, the volatility should come down. Uh, but back to the question, what makes it the worst is that this time around, there's a lot more dependency on Bitcoins, a lot more businesses on Bitcoin. Uh, almost, I don't know anyone that had already quit their job uh, in 2013 bubble to be you know, dependent on Bitcoin. Uh, in 2017 is when the majority of the people just entered the market. And while they were entering the market, yeah, they started businesses and a lot of those businesses felt the pain, but it was mostly, you know, shit quitters that felt most of the pain. And, uh, but this time around in 2021, uh, going coming out of, uh, COVID, uh, from 2020. Uh, I think a lot of people were very became very dependent on Bitcoin. Uh, like 2020 had a complete overhaul with all the shutdown. And I think that so many people uh, started their businesses on Bitcoin, started depending on Bitcoin. Uh, and then it goes to these ridiculous highs uh, in 2021. Uh, and after that, it's this bear market after so many people are dependent on Bitcoin. Is it is it that's what makes it bad? Is that a lot of these businesses, a lot of individuals are dependent on Bitcoin? And you think from your perspective, that's what makes it bad? Yeah, uh, not only just businesses, also countries, right? Like El Salvador. Uh, El Salvador isn't really looking good right now, right? Like they got in uh, going into the bubble. Uh, they've been doubling down on it. And I really hope Bukele wins the reelection. Uh, but like if he doesn't win the re-election, I think the, the Oh, Tone's internet looks like Tone's Oh what happened? Oh there you're back. You're back. Oh did I cut out? No, yeah, you're back. No, all good. Okay. Boy, right. so last time you last thing you were saying you said that El Salvador looks really bad right now. It, it does uh, in the eyes of a lot of voters, uh, other countries get to, you know, uh, talk shit about, about them uh, because Bitcoin is down and that could have an effect on Bukele's re-election. Uh, so I hope he gets re-elected again. I still think that was the right move. Uh, I like that they're doubling down. They're going to buy more Bitcoin at the lows. But uh, if Bukele doesn't win, uh, this could be the major factor that causes him, that, 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 that creates, you know, a loss, brings in a president who could you know, overhaul this initiative for Bitcoin. And that sets the whole space back. So uh, these are the concerns. This is why this bear market is so crucial. Yeah. And I think that not only Bukele, right, also Michael Saylor as well, uh, the way that we've been kind of angling it on Simply on the regular show is they're paying their price of tuition. You know, just like I paid my price of tuition when I got in. And I'm pretty sure you paid your price of tuition when you got in, unless you got extremely lucky in the year and the time that you got in. But most, the vast majority of Bitcoiners that I know, they have to pay their price of tuition every time. Yep. Yep, they're paying it now. Um, ironically, someone just tweeted out. Uh, so I am bullish. Uh, I do think that the price of Bitcoin uh, will reverse uh, this quarter. I think it's going to reverse this month. We have not yet broken the seventeen and a half thousand dollar low uh, that we had uh, recently uh, in June. Not that recently. Now it's about to be six months soon 
since the seven and a half thousand dollar low, we've come down to eighteen. Uh, there's a chance we're not going to break that low. Uh, there's also a significant chance that we will break that low. Uh, but if we do break that low, I think it's coming very, very soon this month or next month. I would be surprised if we break the $17,500 low next year. I do think it's about to happen. And I think Bitcoin is about to start its bull phase again. And ironically, Novogratz is very bearish. So it's the opposite of the song from <laughs> from 2018 where i was the bearish one and he was the bullish one oh man so let's talk a little bit about um the next bull right so you know if you look at bitcoin's history it hasn't broken this yet uh it tends to get uber bullish um before the next happening right it starts to pick up and then about six months to a year after the happening it goes parabolic and then it collapses. That puts us on track to 2024, 2025 being the next time or the next parabola. Are you on board with that? Are the are the site are the so-called is is the cycle theory still in play here? Is my audio better? I actually forgot to check my audio input before I started this thing, and I just did. Um, it's uh, I don't know, guys. Tell us in the chat. But I could I could hear you. All right. Um, how about now? Yeah. Well, it's, it's more so. steeper. Okay. All right. So I I still like the cycle theory. I know a lot of people say that uh, like, like cycles don't really exist, but we have a four-year halving cycle. And the four-year halving cycle drives the four-year, once every four years hype cycle. And I think next year, uh, the hype cycle, the FOMO is going to set in. The having is coming. The having is coming. Uh, once uh, we're one year away, you know, there's going to be all these websites, you know, ticking down the days. You know, we got this many blocks left. We got this many days left. We got three months to go, eight months to go. Uh, and I think the hype's going to set in. And I am looking for 2023 to be a big year uh, uh, for Bitcoin to break that 100K. And we may actually top out before the halving. It's happened before. We've topped out before the halving, started dropping a month, month and a half before the halving. The halving came, we continued to drop uh, because the FOMO like just got us super high. It would be great if you know we kick off the FOMO early next year and it keeps going through the halving for a full one and a half year bull market. Uh, these Bitcoin bull markets, they tend to last maybe nine months to 12 months, uh, like 2013. The price kind of started moving in January and it topped out in November. Uh, then in 2017, same thing. We started moving around January, February, uh, and we topped out in December. Uh, so here it is one more, you know, four years later. Uh, uh, well, we, in 2020, we did it as well, right? Like the 2020, uh, we bottomed in March and by April, uh, we were at 65K. So again, that's a full move from 4,000 all the way up to 64,000 in less than a year. Uh, so I think we're going to have another one of these. Uh, like the year before the halving, it's been happening. In 2013, it was the year after the halving because that first halving, people were nervous. Uh, the programmers knew that the halving was going to work, but uh, you know, guys on the street, we were like, uh, what happens when the having the first having comes and that block isn't halved, right? Like it was an unknown. And that was really concerning to a lot of people. Well, like what would happen? Like imagine if the first block after the next having is still six and point one two five Bitcoin. That instantly means that the 21 million cap that we've been talking about is gone. Dude, um, that would be okay. So, a lot to unpack there because uh, that's the first time. I my my brain is still processing this because I'm hearing like the what I'm hearing from other people is they're still waiting for 2024, 2025. Um, so this, this is the first time I hear this theory, and it's really interesting. And anything's possible at the end of the day. So, if it does head up to back to 100k in 2023 one first question is 
what do you think the top will be this next cycle, right? Because everyone thought 100K last cycle. Are we just in now? Is it just the the bull runs are just going to be less impactful? So are we are we going to even hit 200K? Are we going to hit 150K? What are your thoughts? Oh, I, I think at least 125. Uh, but I wouldn't rule out quarter mil. Uh, I, I'm pretty confident that we will hit quarter mil by the next having not this one uh, but it's possible we can hit quarter mil in this one uh, bitcoin liquidity is really drying up uh, by the way guys i wouldn't worry about this having coming up uh not to work uh, i was specifically talking about the very first having <laughs> which is probably why uh bitcoin didn't start rising until after that having took place in very early 2013 uh, or late 2012 whenever that took place uh, so back then, you know, people were a little bit nervous, like, hey, what if it doesn't happen? Uh, but um, so here are my two favorite uh, drivers for Bitcoin, uh, and they're sucking up liquidity out of the exchanges. And as liquidity gets sucked out out of the exchanges, yes, it's easier for some wealthy whales to push the price up or down. Uh, but eventually there is a short squeeze because there's just if once FOMO sets in, there's just not enough Bitcoin to drag the market down. And the only place it can go is up. Uh, so here are my two dro biggest drivers that are taking Bitcoin liquidity off exchanges. Number of wallets with one Bitcoin in the wallets, one or more uh, Bitcoin in the wallets. And the number of those wallets is rising. It's now over 900,000. I think when it hits a million, that's an awesome milestone. Uh, Nico, you there? I'm here. I just made you full screen. Okay. 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 Because you disappeared on my end, and I'm like, okay. Oh, Tone's gonna switch from Zoom to Restream. He's liking it. I can tell. I, I know Tone. I, I I am liking it. I'm gonna I'm gonna take you one off uh, after this year to just like restructure everything and uh, uh, probably learn how to use Restream. Because I got to get off YouTube. I got to stream to other platforms as well. So restream seems like a good option. All right. So uh, the number of wallets with one Bitcoin in them. Um, I don't want to sound, you know, like a snobby, wealthy elitist. But one Bitcoin is affordable. Uh, it, it really is. Uh, globally, one Bitcoin is affordable. I know a lot of people don't have $19,000 to spare. Uh, but one Bitcoin should be affordable because... Uh, if you save properly, if you have a decent job, even in other parts of the world, uh, you should be able to accumulate one Bitcoin at these prices. Now, of All right, Tom, we'll be right back. Looks like his... Uh... Oh, man, do I get cut out again? Oh, you're back. Oh, man, that sucks. Uh, you um, said you were, you were right. saying that one Bitcoin gonna... is affordable. One Bitcoin is, a, is an achievable goal, you know, for anyone uh, middle class. And there's a lot of middle class people. There's, you know, tens of millions uh, middle class people. So one Bitcoin is an achievable goal. And you got to realize that if a person is able to accumulate one Bitcoin, they're not speculating. I mean, that Bitcoin is for a long term purchase. And if you can acquire one Bitcoin, you can acquire two Bitcoin. And we're almost at one million wallets with a single Bitcoin. And if, it, if the price of Bitcoin drops, I think the number of these people is going to rise because we are just talking one Bitcoin. Uh, these people would love to turn their one Bitcoin into two Bitcoin. Uh, and this is the Bitcoin that leaves exchanges for good. Uh, the other driver that is driving Bitcoin off of exchange is Lightning Network. There's now over 5,000 Bitcoins in the Lightning Network. Could be more. I'm not keeping up with the latest statistics. That's going to double very, very quickly. Once Bitcoin enters the Lightning Network, it doesn't really leave the system anymore. Once you're on the Lightning Network, you're pretty much committed to staying in the Lightning Network. You're not selling a Bitcoin. You're not moving it to an exchange. That's it. And these drivers are sucking liquidity out of the exchanges. And once a little bit of FOMO hits, um, I think the game is on. Uh, I think these two drivers are huge. So let's talk a little bit about the macro. Um, it doesn't look good. Um, the I think it was the IMF. I don't know. Some of those weird international organizations that I'm not going to dig 
too much into, but they said that they're predicting that 2023 we're going to see a recession. So what are your thoughts on that? And then to kind of tie this into Bitcoin, because we're talking about Bitcoin, Bitcoin has been acting like a risk on asset. So if those predictions are too true and, you know, the Fed still hasn't or any central bank really hasn't got a hold on um, on inflation yet. And that could possibly force their hand to force central banks' hands to continue to remain hawkish. Do you believe that is an influence on Bitcoin? Because Bitcoin has only ever existed in this bull market, right? In this macro bull market environment. Do you think that could potentially play a role? Do you think that could potentially affect the price of Bitcoin, perhaps delay the bull market? What are your thoughts? Uh, the answer is yes. Uh, but here's some good news for you, your audience, my audience, I actually think that the stock market, the risk on assets are going to reverse as well. I don't think the massive bull market in equities is over. Uh, we started this bull market in 2009 uh, after that crash. And I think it's, I don't think it's over yet. I think equities are going to go up. I think they're going to go up along with the dollar and uh, the Fed can continue to be hawkish, but they can't be too hawkish. Uh, I don't think the Fed will raise rates uh, more than a quarter going forward to just 25 basis points, uh, you know, several times a year to go up slowly. Because what the Fed is actually doing by raising rates is that they're imploding the fixed income market. If you look at the bond prices, when interest rates rise, bond prices go down. People buy bonds, these five-year bonds, 10-year bonds, uh, and 30-year bonds, let's say. You bought a 10-year bond three years ago. So your bond has seven more years to go. You bought this bond with an interest rate of 1%, if you're lucky. Now the interest rate is 4%, I think, or like 3.5, soon to be 4. So your bond is only paying 1%. People buying bonds today are getting 4%. Your bond is getting the 1%. And you still have seven years to go in this bond. This bond's crap. That's why the price of these bonds goes down. The notional value, the coupon, sorry, the coupon, the, it's one in the morning and I'm not a fixed income guy. In it. <laughs> but anyway, the, the face value, there it is, the face value of that bond um, is not $10,000 anymore. It's like 800, 700. This is why if you look at TLT, the bond ETF, it's literally crashing. Can I do screen share on this? Yeah, you could do anything. It's great. It's like Zoom, but on steroids. Window. Beautiful. So, uh, okay. Cool. All right, so let me... So this is the dollar... Uh, and I do think the dollar is going to pull back a little bit uh, because nothing goes up in a straight line. Uh, but if I open uh, bonds and I look at the 10-year ETF, it's at its lowest price since like 2011. Uh, and this is a crash in the bond prices. And people, smart people have been selling this. And what do they do with the cash? The cash has to go somewhere. I don't believe in an everything bubble. Everything goes down. Real estate goes down. Uh, stocks go down. Bonds go down. Coin goes down. Gold isn't going anywhere. Something, money has to go somewhere. And I think the money is going to go into the equity market, uh, into the tech sector, uh, into American companies mostly because Europe is just totally screwed. Uh, they have no energy whatsoever. They, they are gonna, I don't even know how they're going to heat their homes. And people with money in Europe, they're going to say, we're, our continent, our, well, quasi-continent, is about to implode. Uh, where do we put our money? And the safest place to put your money is probably in U.S. equities. Hmm. Interesting. So you're, you're, it, it's, 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 it really, this is refreshing because I all, it, the, the general consensus right now from a lot of the other guys. And uh, you want to show that? Uh, well, yeah. Well, this is the historic. Oh, you know what? You know what I'm going to show? 
Um, so I just did a presentation. Um, I'm actually going to open the presentation because there was a cool chart in it. Uh, I did this presentation in Kazakhstan. So mm. it was in Russian, uh, but I may redo this in English. Uh, let me go to hit the present. Button. That's right, everybody. Tone Vase is about screens. to speak some Russian, yeah. which they'll soon make illegal. <laughs> yes. Well, some countries already have. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. So, so I talked about how I am. Uh, I think the BRICS are going to be crushing uh, like the G7 trees. Uh, what is what is BRICS about... for anyone that doesn't understand what that means? Oh, uh, BRICS is the economic union. Uh, well, economic collaboration between uh, B is Brazil, R is Russia, I is India, uh, C is China. And uh, so non-Western non-Western countries. Yeah. So South Africa doesn't really contribute anything useful to to the, their collective GDP. Like uh, if you look at um, what these countries are producing, and this is really interesting, actually, uh, not to dive too deep into politics. And the projections were this is an article from twenty early twenty eighteen that had projected uh, that the BRICS would be, uh, well, GDP, PPP, uh, purchasing power parity is the better metric. And it was predicted that uh, in 2017, they were about the same, uh, the BRICS versus the G7. Now, the G7 is a group of seven countries. It's um, US, Canada, UK, uh, Germany, France, and Japan, I believe. Uh, but there's a there's a map I'll show you guys in a second. And uh, uh, so it's seven countries versus five countries. So the seven countries have a little bit of an advantage. Uh, and it was still seen that based on purchasing power parity of their GDP, the BRICS would start to crush uh, the G7 countries, the traditional powerhouses in the economy by 2023. COVID set a lot of it back, but even already here in 2022, uh, the BRICS are doing better. Now, China is still somewhat locked down, and I can go into my conspiracy theory as to why. Uh, Russia is in a little bit of uh, trouble economically as well. Uh, uh, not even so much from the sanctions. The sanctions hurt. Uh, but I think the thing that hurts Russia even more right now than the sanctions is once they announced mobilization, basically almost like the draft, uh, a lot of Russians are just leaving Russia. Like uh, uh, probably almost as many people left Russia as left Ukraine, uh, though, uh, and more Russians are trying to leave. So Russia is losing a lot of people, and that would certainly affect their GDP. Okay, hold on a second, because that's really interesting, and this does relate to Bitcoin as well. So you're from the school of thought that this war will continue to escalate. The West is just throwing money at it, so they're not de-escalating too. Uh, this could potentially be really, really bad. I just want to remind everybody, Russia holds, I think it's the number one nuclear arsenal in the world. And the United States is a close second. So, I mean, um, I think we have much bigger problems <laughs> than Bitcoin's volatility at that point. But uh, does, does that not worry you? I, I mean, mobilization basically means drafting people to go to war, basically. Pretty much. Look, it, it it worried me from day one. Uh, no one seemed to be worried about this uh, military conflict. I've been worried about it from the start. And I don't see an end to it anytime soon, personally. I mean, I would love to be wrong. Uh, I would love for there to be an end to this very soon. Uh, but it doesn't look like there will be. So it is something we need to deal with uh, for the future. I At the moment, I don't think it's... Um, it's going to go nuclear at the moment. I don't, uh, but it worries me based on who's in the White House because uh, he doesn't know what day it is. And uh, who knows who's really pulling the strings back there? Man, it's scary. But I mean, what, what do they really have to gain from? I mean, there, no one wins there. Right. I, I think it's in the what was the term that they call it? They call it mad mutually assured destruction. Who, destruction. Who, right. Who, no um, one really wins in that in that scenario, do they? 
I, I agree. Uh, I, I agree. I, I don't know. I don't know. These are uh, very, very crazy times that we're living in. We weren't around in the 60s when this w was the last time we were this close. Um, so we'll see. I also haven't kept up with the news. I've just been too busy with the events. The, these, the two-day event in Kazakhstan, and then I immediately came to Dubai, and then I've just been here at this three-day event. Uh, and then I have a diff uh, tomorrow will be my first day, but I got to catch up on other stuff, not geopolitics. But um, going back to the BRICS for a second, uh, there's a great article. I'm referencing the article. I strongly advise people to go and check it out. Uh, it's pretty recent. It's 2022. And it just uh, talked about uh, like where the BRICS are outcompeting uh, the West. And it's super interesting. Uh, so here, so the article talks about how Western-style liberal democracies, which is you know where you get to elect your politician, and anyone can be elected, you know, from a movie star to a uh, comedian uh, to uh, you know a Donald Trump. Uh, these Western-style liberal democracies uh, are on a major retreat all over the world, including the U.S. Uh, the U.S. will never let Trump or anyone like Trump win again. So the article hits it right on the money that the world is trending towards uh, non-liberal democracies uh, like the United States. Uh, like Canada, uh, they are becoming more like uh, Russia, China. I'm in the UAE. You know, there's no elections here. Uh, the world is trending in that direction, where you get leaders that could be reelected and reelected forever, and they kind of control the voting situation. Uh, but here is where the BRICS are competing: energy is Russia, rare earth metals, Russia and China, food. Uh, Brazil, Russia as well, actually. Uh, research and development, China. Uh, cheap goods, China. Effective ma uh, mass production, China. Uh, tech talent, India. Uh, fertilizers, uh, Russia. Uh, English speaking, India. Again, billion people. Uh, cyber, military, and space technology. Again, Russia and China. Uh, and if you look at them in terms of uh, military as well, uh, I know the BRICS is not a military alliance, but you combine the military of Russia, China, and India, and it's a massive force. It's a bigger force than anything the West has. All the West has is uh, the United States and Turkey. And I don't even know how long Turkey is going to stay connected to the United States instead of flipping uh, to the BRICS. But that's a, I was going to talk about that later. But here's the most interesting part in this article. And they pointed out and they hit it right on the money. The only major pillar they lack, and I'm just reading the part in the blue, the only major pillar they lack is the young creative talent to develop the future economy. They will never have, they will never have that in an autocratic uh, command and control system. They produce armies of worker bees, but not the out-of-the-box thinkers that rebel. So, and that's huge. So China and uh, to a much lesser extent, Russia and to a slightly lesser extent, India, they don't have that out of the box thinker. Like they're not gonna have that college dropout uh, to go and build some creative product. This is why China is so good at copying other innovative technologies. Uh, but they're not exactly leading the way in, uh, let's just say Uber would have never come out of China, but it came out of the U.S. And uh, if most of the world does become this autocratic, uh, you know, uh, 1984 world where everything is like being controlled, then you're never going to have another out-of-the-box thinker. And then mm -hmm. we're not going to have any more breakthrough technologies unless they are completely anonymous-based kind of like what Satoshi did with Bitcoin. But then again, if every single kid is going through these super controlled systems, like if you've seen the recent videos coming out of China, like their surveillance technology is to such a point that they have cameras in the classroom with kids, like nine, 10 year old kids, and they can tell by the kids facial expressions during classrooms that something is wrong and the kid is not thinking like the teacher wants him to think. It's crazy. It's, so they it's... can identify that from the camera 
of your facial expression. Yep. And, I, and I'm pretty sure that Western elites fell in love with that model and they're they love it. salvating at the mouth to try to bring it to the U.S. Um, here's an example before we move on with your presentation. And I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, it was a couple hours ago. It's from Disclosed.tv. Went a little viral on Twitter. Jury rules Infowars Alex Jones must pay more than $900 million in damages to Sandy Hook families. And the reason for that is they're trying to shut him up. They're trying to scare him. They're trying to coerce him because he goes against the narrative. Whatever you feel about Alex Jones, look, the United States, uh, we said that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction, invaded the country, completely destroyed it. And you don't see any of the leaders that were responsible for that. The New York Times being liable $900 million. And it's what you said, Tone. I wouldn't. I could never have imagined this in the United States of America, whose the First Amendment is literally freedom of speech. So, anyways. Right. No, I couldn't agree more. And that trial was a complete joke. Mm. It was a complete and utter joke. Uh, but... People don't realize, like, we do see these videos coming out of China, and we don't know what's the truth and what isn't the truth. But people have to realize that, the, like, the size of China is smaller than the continental U.S., like, not even counting Canada. Like, the continental U.S. is slightly bigger than China. And yet China has the same number of people as America, plus a billion people. Like, like uh, it's hard to comprehend how many people that is. Uh, and like that's gonna be the future. It's gonna be China. It's gonna be India. Uh, China's birth rate isn't high. India's birth rate is still pretty high. Uh, uh, I mean that that will be the future. And if you do compare, you know, India, China plus Russia's military, it it crushes NATO. It yeah. really does. And um, like you don't wanna you don't want these countries to get together. So what I did was. I took a look at this map, and these are all the NATO countries, uh, and plus Japan. So that's the G7 kind of plus NATO. Uh, and then this is all of the other economic uh, collaborations between nations. Uh, so these are all of the other economic uh, unions. So only China has a, like a union with Europe. And notice that, like, Germany and France and Spain, you know, the big European countries that think they still rule the world, uh, they are not part of it. It's only Eastern Europe. Mm. And once you combine that with this interesting uh, map, which is which countries voted that Russia did not violate human rights by invading Ukraine. So anyone that's in blue uh, voted that Russia is in violation of human rights. Uh, anyone that's in yellow said they don't want to vote uh, because they don't want to, you know, they still want to keep relations with Russia. And anyone that voted red, all the countries in red, said that Russia did not violate human rights. So obviously all of the NATO nations, uh, including Turkey, uh, voted uh, with you know, the United States and Europe and Ukraine against Russia. But other countries, including the Republic of Georgia, which Russia invaded in 2008 uh, for similar reasons that they invaded Ukraine, like they didn't want NATO on their border uh, in these countries. Even Georgia voted with Russia and Kazakhstan, where I just came from, voted with Russia. Now, a lot of the people in these countries are very angry at Russia, and they would not have voted this way. But the country's leadership did. Obviously, Iran, uh, Saudi Arabia, and UAE, where I am, they abstained. India abstained. Mexico abstained. Venezuela abstained. Indonesia abstained. And these countries are super important. So when I combined, uh, when I just did a, you know, uh, just took a look at all the possibilities, and I took a look at what the future looks like, like which global country will one day uh, soon side with the BRICS, which is Russia, China, India, Brazil, side with the BRICS because the West is collapsing. 
uh, versus which countries would probably side with North America, mostly from an economic perspective, not a military, not, not, not a global war military perspective, but from an economic perspective. Uh, and this is the map that I have. So if, uh, uh, I mean, dark red is, you know, they're already part of the BRICS. Uh, light red are the countries that would, would rather, I believe, side with the BRICS than the West. Uh, I did put Mexico as siding with uh, the West because if Mexico suddenly became uh, a military alliance and an economic alliance with Russia, the U.S. military would invade Mexico. Uh, pretty much the way Russia invaded Ukraine, the same exact thing would happen to Mexico by the United States uh, if Mexico was to suddenly uh, cooperate with Russia and you know have Russia send in uh, weapons and military assistance into Mexico. Um, and uh, but here are the countries that oh that that's basically my list uh, that I was putting together. But on a map, Venezuela. I'm watching Venezuela carefully. Uh, Joe Biden went to the Saudis to try and get oil out of them, and they kind of laughed at him and said no. Uh, so now he's begging Venezuela to give oil to the United States so that the United States can sell extra oil to Europe. Either way, Europe's getting screwed. Uh, so Venezuela is a key country. I think Turkey and Hungary are key countries. They are members of NATO. They are European. Well, that's European Union. Uh, this is both neighbors and members of NATO. And I think if any country switches and gets out of NATO and potentially leaves the European Union, uh, it would be Hungary, a country that could potentially leave NATO and that is Turkey. They have a pretty good relationship with Russia. Uh, and uh, if they have to be forced to choose sides, it would be interesting what they do. And uh, Saudi Arabia and Iran are two very, uh, important countries, but they hate each other. So I don't know how they're going to get along in the same union, uh, in the same economic union. But if uh, Putin, let's say, brokers a peace deal between Iran and Saudi, I know people say it's impossible, but Trump brokered a peace deal between Israel and the UAE, mm. where the Israeli national anthem was played at the Abu Dhabi palace. Uh, something that people also thought was impossible. So impossible mm -hmm. things can't happen. And finally, perhaps the most important country is Indonesia. Indonesia has a higher uh, purchasing power parity GDP than even the UK and Brazil and France. And this country also voted yes. They did not want to vote against Russia. And that is uh, a country that if they flip and join an economic union with the BRICS, uh, I mean, it's, the, the West is gonna, the West is in trouble uh, economically. All they have is Japan, which is having its issues, uh, Australia, which is still a lock in, kind of in lockdowns. Uh, you know, Europe can't doesn't have the energy to heat themselves, and the U.S. is in a giant political battle trying to figure out if there is 800 genders or 801. Uh, and we all know about Canada. You can't have a bank account if you donated $10 to a trucker. So, like, what what is the West clinging to at this point? Uh, meanwhile, my hope, those are... My hmm? hope is Bitcoin. That's my hope for all yeah. this. So, getting back to how I got into this presentation, I didn't mean to talk about geopolitics, but this was a chart I put together back in 20. 17 i think early 2017 the only other time i showed this chart on a presentation actually make this full screen make this bigger uh and this is my history of the s p 500 and um it goes through these stages of 15 years of no movement you know it happened back around the fed creation uh it happened uh back uh, in the 30s and 40s it happened in the 70s uh, and then it happened in the 2000s, 15 years, and the price, you know, stayed about the same. And every time it breaks out, it tends to go up 10x. And uh, here we are. And during the move to 10x last time, we had a crazy catastrophic event of the 1987 crash, where the stock market lost 23% in a single day. Uh, and we had ours this time as well, COVID, where the stock market just crashed because of a lockdown. 
And I still have a pretty high target here. And if we have high inflation, that can help the stock market rise because the stock market still goes up with inflation. So, like I said, the first time I showed this chart was at a presentation in Anarchapulco, uh, the same one that I have a cameo in the show, The Anarchist. I know you don't have time for TV shows. Did you watch The Anarchist on HBO? Um, that's the one that you recommended, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I saw the Kung Fu one in San Francisco. That one was freaking awesome. Um, oh, you saw you saw both seasons. I I saw yeah. Why they cut it short? That that kind of bummed me out a little bit. No, no, COVID, COVID. No, season three is coming. It's coming. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's a good yeah, show. COVID. Yeah, yeah I recommended no, Warrior. I HBO's Warrior, great show. But uh, yeah, so okay, a lot. Tone. So this is an old one. So this is my 2017 <laughs> picture. This is a lot to unpack. <laughs> yeah. My 2017 picture, uh, it was right here, and my target was 75,000 the Dow. And uh, here is the picture now. Uh, sorry, that's the 2017 picture. And here we are. 2017, we were right here. And uh, here we are. And I think we're still going to go higher on the S&P. I don't know what's going to drive it, but you know, the TA picture here says... We need to go up like like we did in the 20s before we have a catastrophic crash. And we're not doing that. It's just slow instead. All right. I'm going to leave it there. Ask your questions. I'm going to cut screen share on this one. Um, <laughs> you gave me a whole presentation. I like it. You gave me yeah. so much source material. Okay. So, Tone, um, based on okay. what you're telling me, it looks very bad for the West. It looks more positive towards the East. Um, we're, we've been living in a unipolar world I, really since World War II. Uh, your theory of the case is that world is dead and now we're moving into a new world. I think pretty so. much. How do I get, um, yeah. where are you? Hold on. Okay. Yeah. I'm off screen share. Okay. There we go. Um, yeah, we're definitely moving uh, where we have been living in a unipolar world for the last 30 years where the U.S. was the only global superpower, and that is coming to an end. Uh, depending on how Russia and Ukraine situation ends, uh, we're either going to go back to a dual uh, power world of Russia, Ch uh, U.S., China, or a triple uh, China, Russia, and U.S. And because of U.S.'s stupidity of turning an enemy out of Russia, instead of a friend, it will be Russia and China against the U.S. Mm. And uh, that's not good. Yeah, it, that's actually not the first time I've heard that argument about turning Russia into an enemy. Uh, I think ideologically speaking, Russia has more in common with the U.S. than it does with China. So um, I guess from one perspective of the country, <laughs> the other perspective, not so much. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree with that. So I'm going to take it back to Bitcoin because we've got about 15 minutes left. Where does Bitcoin play in all of this? If we are moving to a more autocratic world, autocratic world, uh, autocrats don't like freedom. Uh, Bitcoin is freedom enabling technology. How are they going to react to this? I mean, you saw the White, the White House report, the digital assets framework, right? Uh, no, uh, no, but I, I can I can imagine what it said. You know, they autocratic, they, they don't like Bitcoin. And yet Russia just said that Bitcoin is perfectly fine and legal for all international transactions. Well, they're trying and to get over, after, they're trying to get around U.S. sanctions, right? Right. And after Russia said that, the next day, guess what Europe said? We're going to make Bitcoin transactions illegal, right? So again, who, uh, <laughs> dictatorships versus democracies. And yet mm. democracies seem to hate Bitcoin more. <laughs> I mean, but I, I think that's the that's one of the beauty beauties of Bitcoin, right? It exposes everybody's incentives. Yeah. They call Nayib Bukele a dictator, and Nayib right. Bukele's country has a lot more freedom than the U.S. You know, right? And I'm here in Dubai. I'm here in the UAE. Uh, the biggest Bitcoin conferences are here as well. Like other than uh, Bitcoin 2022 or Bitcoin 2023. Uh, the next biggest ones are here. Pacific Bitcoin. And again, November. Hmm? Pacific Bitcoin November is going to be pretty dope too. Pacific Bitcoin. Yeah, that that, that one's going to be that, that one's going to be pretty big. But 
I've, I've been to conferences here in the UAE with thousands of people, uh, two, three thousand people uh, as well. And again, uh, not a democracy. And yet, not only are they perfectly okay with Bitcoin, they seem to be even okay with shitcoins. Hmm. Interesting. So why is this happening, Tone? Um, is this the moral decay of society? Is the West, is the West not? Because, like, if you look at Russia, for example, Russia went through, had, the thing is like 70, 80 years of, of collectivism, to put it lightly, um, that they learned lessons from the past. And I think it was Srotsanetsin, actually, the guy, the author of Gulag Archipelago, it's not in his books, but it was one of his interviews where he said that the West has not learned the lessons of the East, right? Um, do you think that's the case? Or do you, and I also approach it from another angle too, is if you look at, you know, some of the last days of the Roman Empire, you kind of saw something similar with the moral decay of society. And you could make a pretty good argument that it was due to the money being broken. It was the fictitious money. It was this idea in people's minds that money grew out of thin air, right? So, you know, we have incredible work by Jeff Booth and other authors and other Bitcoiners that are making the case that if you fix the money, you fix the world. If somehow the U.S. government, you know, gives up that privilege, that monopoly on the creation of money, do you see hope for the West? Um, or do you believe that they're so entrenched? I think the last time you came on the show, we had an awesome conversation. You were making the theory that the U.S. is going to divorce. There's going to be a breakup of the U.S. I think that's the best hope. I, I, I don't see it. I, I don't see the West uh, turning around. Uh, the, the West has been moving uh, towards collectivism, towards Marxism. Uh, yes, there are still elections. Yes, there's still democracy. But how good is your democracy when all the people have been somewhat brainwashed into full socialism? Uh, your democracy doesn't mean much, uh, but not everyone. So a U.S. divorce, I think, is the best option going forward. Uh, hopefully this divorce uh, would be nonviolent. Uh, hopefully half of the United States would be able to split into a different country and go in its own way. But with that comes the collapse of the dollar. Uh, so I'm not expecting this uh, anytime soon. Well, soon, like by the end of the decade, but towards the end of the decade, not, you know, not coming up at this having. So I think that is the best option. That is the best option I'm hoping for. Uh, that is what, that's one of the things that's, kind of keeping me from somewhat surrendering the U.S. passport uh, for a, for hope that maybe Florida and Texas will convince all the states in between and take a piece of California just for that outlet to the Pacific Ocean, uh, like maybe take the San Diego area with them. And uh, that becomes, uh, you know, a separate country and all the socialism can stay up north. And uh, the more traditional American values can stay down south. Yeah, but you and uh, I both know, okay, you and I both know it doesn't work like that in terms of uh, the collectivists stay up north, stay there, don't bother us down here. That's not how they work, man. It's, uh, it's, and you and I both have experienced this, right? You come from, you were born in the Soviet Union. I come from Venezuela. Yep. Um, yep. So you and I both know that that's not how it works, man. These people... And when I mean that, I mean the people that believe in that collectivist ideology. They play for all the keeps, and they don't want people to leave. Um, look at the example in Cuba where Cubans have to get on a raft. Look at the example of East and West Berlin. People are willing to jump over a wall. It's usually not a good sign that your ideology requires a, a wall or an ocean to keep people inside. Um, but the reason I'm bringing those examples is because you can never underestimate how far they're willing to go for power. Oh yeah, no, I agree with you. Like, like it's gonna be the the world's gonna change, and uh, I think it's inevitable. Uh, look, if uh, if a single strong nation can hold the world together, you know, we'd all be Romans or Greeks, you know, 
uh, it just doesn't happen. Or, you know, Brits, uh, it doesn't happen. Uh, America's, uh, you know, America's turn to control the world is ending and we're witnessing it before our eyes. And if it wasn't for Bitcoin, I have no idea what I would be doing right now. Mm. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's really scary times. So, but you're making the case that all of this stuff what you're describing is good for Bitcoin, but how so? It, wouldn't you you believe that for these autocrats, for these totalitarians, you would think that that's the but it's what you said. It's really interesting is that the countries that are supposed to be liberal democracies are the ones that are showing the most hostility. And right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it, it's interesting. And the, 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 that's the crazy part. Are they doing this out of because it's convenient once they get power? Do you think they'll just take another tone? Uh, what do you mean? Once they so let's say once they get the U.S. out of the way and you know the effectiveness of U.S. sanctions, do you believe that they'll change their tone on Bitcoin? Well, El Salvador won't, right? Uh, Russia, maybe, maybe not, right? Like uh, when a country embraces Bitcoin. They like look at El Salvador, like Max Kaiser is living there. Other people want to live there, want to move there. Uh, so once a country realizes that they get all this talent, they get all the people, uh, man, like so many people are moving to the UK, not the UK, sorry, the UAE, where I am right now. Um, the only reason why Americans have not fled to Dubai is because it doesn't um, give them a tax break. Uh, if you're an American, it doesn't matter where you live. Like you still have to pay the same amount of taxes. So for Americans moving to Dubai doesn't do anything. But for a European, uh, moving to Dubai is huge. That is why all the wealthy Europeans, all the entrepreneurs, they're all moving to Dubai. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, like if uh, uh, if a country like Russia or other countries want to attract young talent. Uh, after this military conflict is over, they all have to embrace Bitcoin. They will have no choice. Uh, as much as we hate shitcoins, as much as we hate all this stuff, NFTs, uh, the latest thing is play to earn. Like I go to all these events, like I'm on these panels arguing with these guys. As much as we don't like it as Bitcoin maximalists, uh, this, I mean, th this is what's drawing in the money. Uh, this is what's uh, drawing in people that want to try and innovate. I mean, yeah, they innovate through shit coins, and yes, there's a lot of scamming going on. Uh, but um, you know, who knows? Like one in a thousand of these projects is going to be successful, uh, and uh, that's where all the young kids are drawn to. And one of these days, another genius is going to build something uh, through a shit coin. I mean, it's honestly, it's it's just it's just inevitable. I would never place a bet on it. Because it's one out of a thousand, uh, and everyone thinks their shitcoin will succeed, uh, but I mean it's, it's never going to top Bitcoin. They don't even compete with Bitcoin. They're not competing for money. Uh, they're basically unlicensed, unregistered securities. But remember, if my future of the U.S. breaking up, the concept of a security is gone. There is no SEC to police the world, so the world becomes tokens. Hmm. The world becomes a giant shitcoin casino. Right. Hmm. Well, Tone, I really enjoyed that. Uh, you sent me down a rabbit hole. Um, you had opinions that were contrary to the general consensus right now. Um, and I really appreciate that. I think it's an interesting theory about the U.S. breaking up. You know, me and you talked for hours in private about this. Um Let's see where where the cards fall. But I think the thing that we can agree on at the end of this is uh, it's still a bright orange future to steal Corey's line uh, for Bitcoin. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Awesome. All right, man, get some sleep. It's what, three in the morning? Of it? Uh, no, no, it's only two in the morning. Yeah, your show is an hour. Actually, uh, I mean, watching the live chat, there was a few good questions we never got to, but that's okay. I'll try to... Um, I'll scroll up. Um, we, can, we can hit them if you want. Um, 
Oh, there's a lot. Oh, here we go. Uh, Sergio, high tone, got to go, entering another meeting. I'll ask the question for the weekly MAs in another stream. What are the me move? Is that moving averages? Yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll talk about that on my price stream when I do it, like today or tomorrow. Let's skip that one. Anything else? Yeah, coin. I love when people say that. It's not real socialism. Um, this is related to totalitarianism, not socialism. United U Soviet Union was a totalitarian. My friend, it always ends the same way, dude. <laughs> um, okay, uh, here we go. Uh, gold got popularity because of global commerce. Not is the time for Bitcoin. Interesting. Um, okay, well... Like you said, there's so many comments that I can't really find any any questions. Oh, Guillermo kind of threatening me. Nico will become a shitcoin hodler. Never, bro. This is simply Bitcoin. <laughs> Bitcoin Bitcoin ride or die. I'm either going up with the ship or going down. Um, oh, we got one last one uh, from Diogenes. Tone, do you run a full node yet? I used to run a full node. I somewhat have a full node. I... Uh... You know, surprisingly, I'm, uh, I still use fiat mostly uh, because, of, uh, because I'm a public person and for tax reasons. I haven't gotten out of it. Again, I will have some incredible uh, stuff to say and things I do uh, once I no longer uh, have to pay those taxes. Uh, but until I do, I like to keep my, uh, my life simple. Uh, and I, I still use the traditional financial system. Uh, I, I try to keep as little money in PayPal as possible. Uh, but uh, so uh, at the moment, I travel so much and I, I'm just never in one place. It's uh, hard to run a node. You can do it. Uh, again, another thing that I want to you know, get going in the first quarter. I um, used to run a full node when I was more in one place. But at the moment, I have no home. So because I have no home, uh, it's a lot harder. I don't have my own internet connection, uh, like uh, open ports. So it, it's a challenge. It's a technological challenge. I haven't, I haven't uh, solved yet how to travel with a node. You should check out Noddle, virtual private server. You can run a Noddle anywhere. From yeah, anywhere I know, but it's, it's, a, it's a big box to carry with me. No, no, uh, no. I'm gonna, you don't have you don't have to carry a piece of hardware. You connect to their server and it's encrypted, right? And you could run your own node that way. I know, but the point is not to connect to someone else's server, right? Um, yeah, I mean there is a there is some trust there, but the reason I say that is because it's perfect for digital nomads like yourself. So I'm I'm gonna work on a solution. I'm actually gonna check out what Start Nine has with that new box that they're coming out with. Yeah, but uh, I still I think mean, you need to plug in somewhere with that one. So, uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm going to talk to Mr. Hodel about it. He's my uh, uh, he's my go-to uh, consulting uh, guru on things like this. Interesting. All right. Um, I think we have a question from Rave Elevator. He answered this in the beginning, bro. Um, Tone, you want to give a quick, quick reply to that? Um, what is it? Does Tone see uh, a relief rally in December, uh, then crash again? No, I, 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 I actually see a rally starting this month or next month, and I see us continuing bullishness in December. Uh, I'm really bullish right now. I know Novogratz is very bearish, and I'm bullish. So someone should do the remake of that song. I, I haven't even heard the first song. Anyways, Tone, I don't want to take more of your time. I really enjoyed this. Every time we come on, we have a chat. It's a great time. Uh, hope to see you again soon, um, around, around and about. Why don't you tell everybody where they could find you? People watching on Tone's channel, you already know that answer, but people watching on Simply's either Twitter or YouTube, you could tell everybody what you're working on, what's going on. You should chill the financial summit. In, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. almost forgot. All right. One more screen share, guys. Uh, and um, oh yeah, let's not double click on this one. Uh, yeah, so so those of you watching on my channel would already know. So the financial summit uh, is a Nico was at the last financial summit in the Dominican Republic. Our next one coming up is in Bali. 
This is the gorgeous resort we will be staying in. Uh, it is designed for the financially inclined, uh, traders, money managers, VCs, uh, just high net worth individuals that have been successful looking to talk to people. And it's a, a five day, uh, basically a five day brainstorming sessions on how to invest, how to best to invest your hard earned money. Uh, and that's what we're doing in Bali, November one to six, still time to sign up, still have a few days left. Uh, you can find me all over social media, YouTube, uh, Twitter, Instagram, everything is tone based and Nico for my audience. Since we are streaming on my channel, uh, tell them uh, more about yourself and simply. Bitcoin. Oh, wow. I'm giving a shill on my own stream. I love it. Um, yeah, guys, you can find me. Just search Simply Bitcoin on Twitter or on YouTube. You'll find me. And if you want to follow my personal account, BitVault7 on Twitter, you'll find me as well. Uh, really enjoyed it. You don't have to be that financially inclined to go to the financial summit because I'm just a toxic Bitcoin maxi that just likes to stack. And I had a great time, right? Drinking, you had poker games. I'll leave it at that without getting into too many details. But it was a great time. I definitely recommend it. I want to go to the Bali one. I can't go this year because the the rest of this year is going to be fucking crazy. I go to New York in two weeks, then L.A. for Pacific Bitcoin. Then I go to Colorado for the end of the year. I'm going to be all over the place. I can't really travel. But uh, definitely in the coming years. Tone, thank you so much for coming on, my friend. And uh, I will see you around. All right. If you're in New York, uh, I can recommend you my favorite steakhouse. You can meet some of my friends. You can take my place when we go there. <laughs> when you go there, I will be streaming live from Tone Vase's his apartment. It's Tone simply Bitcoin live from Tones. All right, guys. I'll see you guys later. I'm gonna play the outro. Tone, you could stay, not stay. It's up to you, bro. All right, it's gonna take uh, thirty I'll seconds. Check it out. I'll stay. All right, let's do it. Which one's the best crypto asset? Well, Bitcoin's the best crypto asset. Okay. What's the second best? There is no second best. <laughs>